0: Welcome to Bitchy History, the American history podcast that would like you to know that despite the name of this show being Bitchy History and the fact that the host, myself, calls myself a bitch on a regular occasion, doesn't actually mean that you can get away with calling me a condescending bitch and claim that it was a compliment. Hi, guys. Professor Meredith here from Bitchy History. Let me explain that potentially slightly confusing intro I just gave you. Uh, Last week, I decided to make some content on YouTube, not just uploading the podcast like I usually do. I actually decided I was going to make some video content. For those of you who already watched it, you know that I made a video response to a really, really, really dumb video that Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire had made. Um, And I put it out there. the internet to see, which was probably a bad idea because YouTube was a mistake. It turns out that Matt Walsh's fans are a little bit rabid and very, very unhinged. Just a note to Matt, if you have the kind of fans that are going to defend your work by quoting the Unabomber, you may need to reconsider some of your life choices. What am I saying? You probably love that you have fans who quote the Unabomber. Never mind. I rescind my advice. Not that you would have taken it from a queer woman anyway. And yes, as you guys may have gathered, one of the people in the comments did call me a condescending bitch, and when I called him out on it, said, no, no, I meant that as a compliment. No, you didn't. No, no, you didn't. And you don't get to call me a bitch, even if I call myself a bitch. That's how reclaiming slurs works, buddy. And then we have this winning comment that starts off with a sentence, Having read Ted Kaczynski's essay on the industrial society and its consequences, immediately know, immediately know, if the only person you can find to cite as a source to back up your claim is Ted Kaczynski, you have issues. And as I said on TikTok a couple of weeks ago, there's a reason why I don't make reaction content or, you know, correction content very much on the Internet, despite the fact that it's actually pretty popular on the algorithm. And that's for this exact reason. The fans that men have on the Internet are concerning, highly concerning, and I just don't have the bandwidth to deal with them. All of this is just a roundabout way of introducing this episode, because this episode isn't actually the content that I promised you last Thursday. Last Thursday at the end of the episode, I told you that you were getting an episode on the history of the early 1700s in America. Uh, That is not what today's episode is. Today's episode is actually just the audio version of the Matt Walsh video, because damned if I'm going to let a few unhinged Unabomber fans... ...stop me from roasting Matt Walsh. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so today, I'm starting off this episode with a little bit of a content warning. Because if Matt Walsh's voice and ideology triggers a form of nausea and uncontrollable rage in you the way it does in me... ...I really don't want you to be listening to this episode while you're driving a car. I don't need that on my conscience. And of course, if you already watched the episode on YouTube, you may not be very interested in listening to me roast Matt Walsh again, and I completely understand that. And not only will I not judge you for not listening to the episode again if you've already watched it on YouTube, I'll also go ahead and give you the show updates now so you don't miss anything at the end. As a reminder, the show is transitioning to a -a once-a-week format, starting, well, now, which means that the next episode will not be out until July 3rd. Uh, The show just takes too much time to produce for me to do two episodes a week right now, mostly because the show doesn't pay me. On that note, the show also now has a Patreon, so you might want to check that out. Uh, Go take a look and see if you'd like to subscribe to the Patreon and help support my mission to increase historical education in the United States through my podcast. It would be much appreciated. And that's it for show updates. Let's get on to the roasting. is Professor Meredith with Bitchy History. Uh, I'm going to be experimenting with some new forms of content, which obviously, for you guys watching this on YouTube, you are not used to seeing my face when I actually uh, do my Bitchy History content. So this will be something a little bit new. Uh, and the reason why I want to do this is because I want to make some long-form content in which I am reacting and... Uh, critiquing other people's videos, right? Um, And I am mostly going to stick to videos that I think are, you know, historically misinformed or historically uh, illiterate. Um, But sometimes it's going to be delving into some political issues as well. I used to work in politics. uh, And, of course, history and politics are kind of incredibly linked. And, yes, that's a cat meowing She picks the worst times. Anyway, uh, so today we're kind of starting off with an older video. I'm just testing out the waters a little bit on this. uh, And I'm going to be responding to a video which I've already talked about a little bit in a previous episode of my podcast, episode 10 of Bitchy History. Uh, I talked a little bit about this episode of Matt Walsh's show. Um, He made this video about a year ago in which he was talking about the percentage of Gen Z that considers themselves to be members of the LGBTQ community, and uh, his takes are bad, unsurprisingly. Uh, So I'm going to kind of break this down. I'm probably not going to respond to every second of his 11-minute video, uh, because frankly I don't have the patience for that, Uh, but just some of his worst claims in this entire thing.
1: And when the researchers broke out uh, the youngest of the group, ages 18 to 24, which is really Gen Z, they found 39% call themselves LGBTQ. Okay, so we're talking 40%, nearly 40% identifying as LGBT. Now, if this is true, if these numbers are anywhere close to accurate, then we are witnessing not even just a seismic shift in human sexuality but a full-on transformation unlike anything the world has ever seen before.
0: Stop you right there, Matt, uh, because there is no way that we can find the historical data to back up that claim, uh, that at no time in human history has there ever been this high a percentage of people who were queer. Uh, First of all, obviously being queer does not mean you're open about it, Uh, so there's not a lot of records about people who were out of the closet, because generally speaking— Uh, In society, 100, 200, 300, 1,000 years ago, it was not considered socially acceptable. Uh, So many people who were bisexual, hey, they get to choose to marry someone of the opposite sex uh, that they're attracted to, and no problem. They don't have to deal with the fact that they're not actually attracted to the person they married. Uh, Women who were lesbians, many of them still got married though. Many also, you know, didn't, they went off and joined convents and things like that. If they didn't want to get married. Um, And then of course, up into the 1800s, we start seeing things like Boston marriages and things like that. Uh, gay men often married women, regardless of the fact that they didn't want to, because it was what society demanded of them. People who were transgender were not going to be able to transition. Uh, or if they did, they kept it very, very secret, right? And so it's not like we have a whole bunch of people waving rainbow flags throughout history for us to be able to do an adequate scientific study of what percentage of the population was queer. Uh, So, no, you cannot unilaterally make the statement that at no time in human history has a percentage this high existed. That's just completely ridiculous and absolutely ahistorical.
1: Many people, though, on both sides of the ideological divide, for different reasons, don't want to believe or admit that such a transformation is actually happening. So they have a few ways of trying to deny or mitigate results like this. On the left, they'll say that uh, this doesn't reflect a change at all. They'll claim that there have always been this many LGBT people in society, but they just didn't feel comfortable revealing themselves until now. That's, that's, that's what they'll say. Me, But
0: I said exactly what you said I was going to say, because that's, that's accurate, right? We can look at the history of different cultures and say, hey, they didn't exactly support people being different or having different sexualities. Maybe that might have something to do with why very few people were open about their sexualities. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's just that's the way historical inquiry works.
1: This is not credible because older generations have also been surveyed in our current day and age where everybody is very accepting and tolerant and all of that.
0: Everyone, Matt, everyone is all accepting and tolerant and everything. I kind of feel like your existence as a person disproves that statement. (laughs) And, you know, people like Michael Knowles saying things like we need to eradicate transgenderism kind of kind of argues against your point there. But sure, let's let's let you finish this thought and see if it goes anywhere useful.
1: Older generations are also surveyed and their numbers are much, much lower. So the left's theory kind of waves a magic wand over millions of Americans and declares that, you know, they're all closeted gays with no evidence at all for such an assertion.
0: Has asked a completely reasonable question. If it is the case that people have always been more queer than the percentages say, uh, why is it that in this day and age, they aren't admitting to that on studies and, you know, in polling. It's a good question. There are several answers for it, uh, based mostly on understanding society and people and history, which are probably not areas that Matt is very good at. Um, sorry, maybe I'm roasting it a little too hard. I really don't like Matt Walsh, right? I don't. But here's the thing, right? Uh, there may be people who are 60, 70, 80, right? And they're not interested in coming out of the closet now. It's been their whole life. They, they waited their whole life to do this. And they've lived their life. They've gotten married. They've had kids. And they just don't feel like rocking the boat and coming out of the closet. Now, of course, those people might still admit on a on a study, right, a scientific study, that, yes, they're a little bent, right? But there is another cause for this, And that is that not everybody has had the mental space and reflection to actually realize they're queer, right? I was pretty late bloomer. I didn't figure out I was a lesbian until, like, I was 19. Uh, I went through a lot of phases where I thought I was bisexual because of compulsory heterosexuality. There's a lot. There was a lot going on with me, and that was in, you know, the modern era. Uh, People who grew up... My parents' generation, even Gen X, when being gay was, you know, something shameful, uh, they may have never even considered it, right? Especially if they're bisexual. Uh, I've known several people who have come out as bisexual to their parents in recent years and had one or both of their parents respond by saying, you know, oh no, you're not bisexual. Everyone's a little attracted to the same sex. It's just a phase. It's not a really big deal. Everybody goes through this, you know. I I, you know, kissed my girlfriends a little bit when I was in high school. It was just, you know, practicing kissing. It was just, you know, they were very pretty. They smelled nice. It wasn't really being bisexual, uh, or men saying, you know, yeah, I had th- some stuff with my buddies. It wasn't really gay. Well, it wasn't gay, but it was certainly queer. Uh, yeah, y- you were you were a little bisexual, at least a little bit there uh, for a while. Because straight people don't don't have sexual attraction to the same sex. If you are a straight person, you're not gonna want to make out with your girlfriends at a sleepover. I learned that the hard way growing up. I did. Straight friends do not want to make out with you at sleepovers. It's not a thing. But moving on to the history side of things, huh? I wonder why it might be that today, in our oh-so-accepting society, there might be fewer people from previous generations around to say, hey, I'm gay, can you think of something? Can you think of maybe one thing that might be the reason why there are fewer gay people to be polled today than there would have been in the 1970s or 1950s? I have something. It's called the AIDS epidemic, right? Um, the elders of the queer generation of today all pretty much died of AIDS, right? That was a thing that happened. It's pretty major. Major part of queer history. Um, so, you know, when it comes down to it, I think we know why there are fewer people uh, to answer those questions honestly today. Uh, and it's not just the generation that died of AIDS, right? There's also an entire generation prior to that, my parents' generation, uh, and even the greatest generation, who in many cases lost their lives either to suicide or gay bashing, Uh long before they could get old enough to reach a open, accepting society that allowed them to be open and admit to being gay. Uh, So yeah, you're going to see a smaller percentage of gay people showing up in Gen X and the Boomers and the Greatest Generation when you poll them today, because there are fewer gay people left from those generations. A lot of them died. And if they're dead... They can't answer polling questions, strangely enough.
1: Also, if we're looking at this from a purely biological and evolutionary perspective, it doesn't make any scientific sense that 40 or 50% or more of a species would be non-heterosexual. Now, the left claims that homosexuality is biological, right? Um, Then if that's true then a 40 or 50% figure simply could not happen for evolutionary reasons. Unless you want to argue that evolution isn't true.
0: Matt, I did not know that you had an advanced degree in biology. I did not know. I could have sworn that you didn't go to college at all, actually. Oh, wait, that's because you didn't go to college at all. And yet you continue to try to insist that you're like an expert at biology and you understand the basics or even complexities of evolutionary science. Um, Guess what? (laughs) Being queer has nothing to do with your ability to procreate, right? Um, Evolutionarily speaking, it has nothing to do with the propagation of the species. Uh, I am a queer woman. I'm a lesbian. I have no intention of having children, but only because I don't want them. Not because I don't have a functioning reproductive system. All the plumbing is still there and still works which sometimes I wish it didn't because it's no picnic having a female reproductive system uh, that is currently in in good Nick it's still still running um, not not fun actually gay men also have all the requisite plumbing all of it they they can also get someone pregnant whether they do it naturally or through in vitro um, pregnancy still happens right also I don't know if you know this, but being not heterosexual does not mean that you aren't possibly going to be in a relationship with the opposite sex, right? Lesbians are attracted to women, gay men are attracted to men, bisexuals are attracted to both genders. So they do occasionally, they do occasionally have sex with the opposite sex. And occasionally have kids. Uh, Lesbians also occasionally have children. In vitro. Uh, Gay men also propagate the species. Through, you know, having kids with surrogates. Uh, Transgender people? Still on the spectrum. They can still have kids. Uh, You know, non-binary people? They can still have kids. They've all got working plumbing just as much as anybody else in the world. So this has absolutely nothing to do with evolution at all gay people aren't sterile
1: keep in mind the left loves to claim also that homosexual activity exists in the animal kingdom right you hear this all the time well find me a species where nearly half are homosexual
0: at this point i'm starting to feel kind of embarrassed for you actually because dude there are definitely examples of that um This just proves that before you started recording this episode, you didn't even do five seconds of research on Google. That is not terribly surprising to me, given everything else I've seen of yours. But this is a new low. Literally. Five seconds. Five seconds on Google. I'll be right back.
1: Two seconds later.
0: That This took an embarrassingly short amount of time to find the answer to. I'm saying embarrassingly short. I, you need to learn to read things before on your videos, Matt. That's all I'm saying. Just briefly check your facts. Unlike Matt, I'm going to preface everything I'm about to say with I am not a biologist, not an expert in animal sexuality, I'm a historian. I teach history. That's what I do. Uh, But that being said, that means that none of the research I did is something that's so high level or behind a paywall that Matt couldn't have done it himself, right? Which says to me that he doesn't really care about factual information. He just cares about making up facts in his head that support his bigoted idea of the day and spewing them out to an audience who he thinks will not fact check anything he says, Probably an accurate statement uh, about the people who watch his show predominantly, but uh, let's get to it, right? He made a challenge. He challenged us to find one, one example of an animal that has uh, almost half engaging in non-heterosexual activity. And again, non-heterosexual, Matt, does not mean lesbian or gay. It means LGBTQ+, plus, right? Uh, which means that there's bisexuals in there as well. And that's that's really where this comes in. The bonobo is a fully bisexual animal. Uh, about 60% of all sexual activity for the bonobo occurs between two or more females. No males involved, right? Uh, and there is, of course, male-on-male homosexual behavior as well. Predominantly for the bonobo, sex is not about procreation. Sex is about sex. Uh, so whether they do that with the opposite sex or the same sex doesn't really matter. Uh, It's also very interesting that the bonobo is one of the ape species that is the closest to humans genetically. So it actually kind of makes sense, uh, evolutionarily, biologically speaking, that's the terms you're obsessed with there, um, that they are fully bisexual and humans also have a lot of fluidity as far as their sexual orientation is concerned, right? Actually, this makes a lot of sense scientifically. Uh, but it's not just the bonobo. No, no, no. It's not just the bonobo. Giraffes also see quite a large amount of homosexual behavior uh, within their animal grouping. Uh, about 30 to 75% of them, uh, of giraffes, engage in same sex activities. A thing that happens quite a bit. Uh, Elephants. Elephants, both African and Asian, uh, engage in same-sex activities um, between males but also females uh, of that particular group. Uh, Same-sex relations are quite common and frequent in both genders. And also, interestingly enough, uh, male elephants who engage in homosexual behavior usually have long-lasting, like, lifelong bonds, whereas the heterosexual relations are usually fleeting in nature just for procreation. Uh, So these relationships last longer between the same sex than they do with opposite-sex pairings. And uh, in Asiatic elephants... The ones in captivity engage in 45% of their sexual activity being same-sex, which, of course, that is in captivity and has nothing really to do with their natural habits, but it's interesting, right? It's very interesting. In addition to this, studies on the domestic sheep have shown that around eight percent of rams, eight to ten percent of all rams, are exclusively homosexual, uh, and that around eighteen to twenty-two percent of rams are bisexual. So again, that's not more than fifty percent, but it is—it's—it's it's approaching. It's approaching fifty percent when you add together the bisexual and homosexual ele- elements uh, of the domestic sheep. And my personal favorite, my absolute personal favorite, is that there are several species of whiptail lizards that are entirely female. raises the question of how they, you know, procreate. Uh, They reproduce through parthenogenesis. I don't understand the science behind that whatsoever. But my point being that they don't need to engage in sex in order to procreate and reproduce. Obviously, parthenogenesis does not require that. However, these female-only lizards still engage in sexual stimulation. Uh, So they are a 100% lesbian species of lizard. And I love that for them. I really do. Sometimes I wish that I could reproduce through parthenogenesis and not have to deal with men. And men like Matt Walsh only make that wish so much stronger. Anyway... Now, you know, obviously there are examples of this, Matt.
1: That doesn't exist. It can't exist because such a species would go extinct. So this theory doesn't work.
0: Hey, Matt, I'm going to explain this to you one more time, very, very slowly. So even if the only two settings that came on human sexuality were homosexual and heterosexual, it still wouldn't have anything to do with our ability to reproduce. My plumbing works. I can still procreate. I have a functioning uterus, functioning womb. I can still reproduce. Gay men are not shooting blanks. We are not sterile, right? And again, you are ignoring the fact that 40% of Gen Z saying that they are LGBTQ does not mean that 40% of Gen Z are saying that they are 100% homosexual, right? that that covers a lot of room. There is bisexuality, there is transgenderism, there is a whole cornucopia uh, of settings between straight and gay uh, that you can be. And again, none of it has to do with whether or not we can conceive or have children. That's not how being gay works.
1: But you'll have people on the right who deny it as well, they, you know, simply because they don't want to believe that the LGBT brainwashing of kids has really been this tremendously successful. They just don't want to believe it. It's, 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 it's something that they can't wrap their heads around, and so they say, no, there's no way. And they'll say the numbers here are wrong. Yet the problem for them is that these results are just the latest in a long line of research conducted both by right-leaning and left-leaning organizations, and they all come to the same sort of conclusion. Gallup, as mentioned uh, by Newsweek, they did a major poll several months ago. They didn't find that 30 or 40 percent of Gen Z identifies as LGBT, but they did find that 15 percent identified that way and another five percent had no opinion about their own sexuality.
0: OK, so what I'm actually getting from this is that neither Gallup nor Arizona Christian University know how to conduct trustworthy polling, right? Or at least one of them doesn't know how to conduct trustworthy polling uh, because that's a big difference, 40% and 15%. That is a, that's a massive difference, Matt. There's something wrong. There's something screwy with the studies at that point. Uh, that's what we should be trying to understand is going on here. Um, not, not assuming that they're both right somehow and that there's some sort of conspiracy to brainwash Gen Z into being gay. That is a very wild jump to make from those two claims.
1: So that's 20% not identifying as heterosexual. Smaller portion, but still 10 times their parents' generation and 20 times their grandparents' generation. So whether it's 20% or 30 or 40, it's almost splitting hairs.
0: I wouldn't say that it's splitting hairs. I wouldn't say that at all. I would say that clearly we need to look at the methodology of these studies and figure out where we're fucking up in figuring out this percentage Uh, because maybe the studies are using wildly divergent methods. Uh, Maybe they are talking to different groups of people. Maybe there's something going on, though, because the studies shouldn't be 15% and 40%. Uh, that's, That's an unreasonable gap for you to call splitting hairs. But then again, why am I surprised? You guys still think that Donald Trump won the election. Numbers are not your forte. I shouldn't even be shocked by this.
1: The point is that there is a trend here, a very dramatic trend. And it's a trend against spanning generations, which rules out the other dismissive claim, which you still hear from some on the right, that this is all a fad, right?
0: Mm, Does it though? Does it disprove the argument that it's a fad? Not that I think it's a fad. I just think that your assumption that it disproves that it's a fad is wildly specious. But then again... That is not shocking. You just you just make stuff up. You just say stuff. Why do you just say stuff that doesn't make any sense?
1: LGBT identification for the kids today, it's like what um, emo or goth was when I was a kid. But we know it's not just a fad of that sort because you find this trend, again, spanning generations. Starting with my grandparents going all the way down to my kids' generation, LGBT ident- identification has risen by large portions each step of the way until today. We also know that it's not just a fad because fads, when we were kids, were treated like fads. Adults would tell you, you know, if you were a, a goth, an adult would say to you, this is a fad. You're, you're going to look back on this and be embarrassed. What they didn't say to the goth kid is, this is your truest identity. You should define yourself by your gothness. This is the most important thing about you. Here, I made you this flag. March through the street with it.
0: gay has nothing to do with our personality. It's not anybody's entire personality. Uh, The only reason you think it is is because the only thing you think about with gay people is who they have sex with. Like, that's, that's a you problem right there. But also, parents do take interest in their kids' interests, right? At least good parents do. They might say, hey, this is your aesthetic right now. You're really into heavy metal music. You're really into black clothes. You're really into, I don't know, dog collars, and getting your ears pierced a bunch of times. And you know what? I respect that that is your interest right now. I may not get it. I don't understand it. But I'm going to take you shopping at Hot Topic, and I am going to buy you the stuff to wear that makes you feel like you uh, instead of trying to force you into khakis and polos every day. That would be what a good parent does. So actually, a good parent would validate their children's interests and allow them to experience those interests uh, going forward as they grow into adulthood. You sound like you may have had a very negative experience with your parents as far as it concerns your interests as a teenager, and I'm really sorry for you about that. Uh, But you should not put that on everybody, because a lot of parents do take interest in what their kids like and encourage those interests.
1: Let everybody know, this is who you are and will always be. If adults had said that, then there would be, there'd still be a lot of people in my generation today walking around with dyed hair and makeup. Well, in fact, there are a lot of people in my generation walking around that way, but not because they identify as goth. And that's the point.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sitting here cackling because of the way that you like started that argument out, realized, oh shit, there are lots of people walking around with piercings and crazy clothes and dyed hair. Uh, obviously, my argument is bullshit. How can I walk this back? So- being goth, right, is about expressing yourself in a way that is counterculture. Uh, you know, dark hair, dark makeup, crazy jewelry, crazy clothes. And people still do that today. Now, a lot of people might not be necessarily goth uh, for whatever reason, though the goth subculture does still exist. Uh, but as adults, goth people do kind of tone down the way they dress, right? They, they still express it maybe Uh, in some way, but they do have to tone it down in order to be socially acceptable, in order to get a job, which kind of takes us all the way back to this discussion we were having about the fact that there weren't as many gay people openly gay uh, in past generations because it wasn't socially acceptable. So when you see people who were goth when they were teenagers who don't appear to be goth now, that may not be because they don't, like the aesthetic anymore. It may just be because it's hard to get a job as an accountant when you're wearing black nail polish and giant gauges in your ears. Uh, Not because there's anything wrong with that, but because society has said that that's not acceptable. And so we are bending to the will of society by toning down the way we dress and act in public. But still, You already made your point, right? There are still people who are expressing themselves in counterculture ways well into adulthood. So, actually, just because they're not goth doesn't mean that they aren't still following that urge to be counterculture and experiment with their hair, their makeup, their clothes. Anybody who was goth as a kid is probably still experimenting with that kind of stuff now. Uh, We just do it in a different way now because... We have different aesthetics as adults than we did as 15-year-olds. Yeah, that was a really, really sad argument you just made there. And then you tried to walk it back. (sighs) Not, not going well for you here, buddy.
1: So if this is not a fad, which it isn't.
0: That, you didn't.
1: And if it is not a natural biological occurrence, which is only today finding its true expression, which it also isn't.
0: You didn't even come close to proving that. Not even close.
1: Then what's going on?
0: I honestly cannot wait for you to tell me what you think is going on. I am certain it is going to be hysterical.
1: Well, what's going on is social contagion, a kind of mass hysteria, a group hallucination, in effect, but one that is constructed
0: instructed by who and for what reason i i am perplexed let let's continue and see what you have
1: to say fabricated okay oh, this is all intentional it is social engineering on a scale and at a level previously unknown to mankind we've seen brainwashing before but never like this and never has it started so young
0: um who who is brainwashing and for what purpose? The the brainwashing is to what? Make kids not heterosexual? I don't understand what the purpose of that would be. As a gay woman, I am sitting here trying to think what would the purpose of that be? I I don't I don't understand. I really don't. I am deeply confused. Let's continue. Maybe you will explain. Next portion of the video, Matt shares a video from TikTok uh, of a daughter playing with her mother uh, and talking about the fact that the little girl is a girl and not a boy, uh, wearing a cute little pink dress, wearing wearing makeup. Um, it's very adorable. However, Matt says some very unkind, very cruel things uh, during that, and I don't really want to give any part of that video any more platform than it's already gotten, uh, because it's just cruel and unnecessary. Uh, So I'm going to skip that, and we're going to go on to commenting on what he says after that. Uh, But that way, you know what's missing, and you can go and, you know, look at the original video if you really, really want to see what he had to say about that.
1: You notice the incoherent, arbitrary line the mother draws. She'll respect the boy's, she'll, she will respect the boy's self-identification, his alleged self-identification as a girl, but not his self-identification as seven years old, and why not? Age is more fluid and changing than sex, which doesn't change at all. Age is also relative.
0: Matt, I don't think saying phrases like age is all relative is a good place for you to be considering some of the things you've been called out for saying in the past, you know, about what age girls are most fertile. I just, I think maybe it might be a bad look for you. That's so all I'm going to say about that.
1: And notice how the boy, who is uh, supposedly a girl now, and you can't see this if you're just listening to the audio, but they're outside, and, um, and as he's talking about the fact that he's a girl, He's trying to climb on the wall while, while talking about how he's a girl. Now, climbing on walls is a boy activity. I have two of them. That's what they do. We have the wall smudges to prove it.
0: Apparently, girls never try to climb things. Apparently, I'm a boy because of all the skinned knees and scars that I have from, you know, climbing trees, jumping out of trees trying to fly off the roof like Mary Poppins that one time. Uh, All of that, all of that is boy activity. Girls never do that. Girls, you know, they only like to sit demurely and have little tea parties with their Barbies. They have never, ever, ever done anything physical, like trying to climb walls, ever, in the history of the world. Girls don't do physical activities. Joan of Arc is an exception. Totally, totally not. Amelia Earhart's also an exception. And Deborah Samson, the woman who impersonated a man to join the American Revolution. And, and the women who spied during World War II. And I'm beginning to feel like maybe, maybe climbing walls isn't just a boy activity. What, this is the stupidest thing you've ever said, Matt, And that. That is a high bar to climb over.
1: So this is a boy acting like a boy in every, in every way. It's just that he's been dressed this way by his mother. And the boy isn't old enough to sort through this incoherence and sadly he may never be able to see it for what it is, even when he's older, because his brain is being rewired. His entire conception of himself is being altered.
0: Let me get this right. You think that sexuality and Gender are so fluid that everyone in the world, every child in the world, is just one Lady Gaga music video away from having their brain rewritten to being gay or being a different gender. For you, it's it's extremely fluid and very, very easy to change. I gotta tell you. I don't think you realize exactly how leftist that idea is, actually. Um, I certainly don't think you understand the argument you're making here. But you certainly seem to think that sexuality and gender are super, super easy uh, to change, actually. This uh, This is surprising. It really is.
1: And a version of this, to some degree or another, is happening to an entire generation, as it happened to much lesser degrees the generations before them.
0: So this conspiracy has been ongoing for generations, is what you're saying. You're saying that for hundreds, possibly thousands of years, some conspiracy to shift the sexual orientation of humans has been occurring and slowly getting more successful over time. That's what you're claiming. So I'm going to skip entirely over the why part of all of this and, and go straight to the who. Because I really need to know who you think is doing this, Matt. Is it the aliens? Are the aliens making us gay? Is that what, what, what's going on? Because obviously this has been happening for generations. It's not just The liberals. I just, I need to know who you think has been doing this for thousands of years. And then I'd like to know why. Because, frankly, I would really like to know what the purpose of that is. But...
1: To generations of kids being completely redefined, their identities redefined, as we all sit back and watch.
0: So, I don't know how much of what Matt Walsh says he actually believes. I don't know how much of it is just fear-mongering, outrage-mongering, because he knows that's what his viewers like to hear. They like to hear things that make them angry and make them scared, right? And I guess I like to hear things that make me angry, too, because I took the time to watch the whole stupid video and make a response to it. I never said I was a perfect person. But I do think he believes some of it. And I have a theory about why it is that people like Matt Walsh are so obsessed with the idea that Target Pride displays and Marvel movies are trying to brainwash uh, people into being queer. And I think it's because they're a little queer, a little bisexual. They've seen Henry Cavill. You know, they've had the thoughts. They've considered it for a millisecond and they were raised real religious the kind of religion that I was raised in that told you constantly that having those urges having those thoughts you're going to hell for that and the only way to deal with that is to say those aren't my urges they aren't mine I'm not going to hell because those aren't my urges somebody is forcing those urges onto me I'm being brainwashed into having those urges Anyway, that's just my theory. Completely unsubstantiated. But I think people like that need a lot of therapy. To be honest, I think most of us need a lot of therapy. It's too bad that the American healthcare system sucks, and therapy is expensive. I don't have an answer. But anyway, I hope that this was an informative and at least mildly amusing experience to watch, if any of you lasted this long. If you did... Congratulations. You get a cookie. That's all you get. I'm not giving anything else. Sorry. Thank you so much for tuning into episode 12 of Bitchy History. Uh, please let me know if this kind of content is something that you would like to see more of or. I guess, hear more of in this case, I'm not entirely sold on the idea of making more video based content, uh, mostly because I like to stay behind my microphone where I can record in my pajamas with no makeup on. But if uh, video content is something that people would like to see more of, I could be persuaded. I clean up nice and it doesn't take that long to put on some lipstick. I'll see you guys back here on July 3rd for that long-awaited episode on colonial life in the early 1700s, and hopefully we are going to be having some more guests on the show to talk about the Revolutionary War period very shortly, uh, because we are coming up on that period of time in American history. And while I fully admit that the Revolutionary War is not my area of speciality, I am very, very lucky to have a variety of friends who are focused on that period of time, and they will have a lot to say about it.